Hello everyone and welcome to the Movie Shed Podcast. I'm of course your cinema-loving, shed-dwelling host, Mike. Ooh, timeless or trash? That is an interesting thought and question, isn't it? How do movies stand the test of time? Or don't? Eh. Well, I do have a few thoughts. Let's talk, let's start with uh, what makes a movie timeless. What makes a movie timeless, in my personal opinion, is that it speaks to the audience of issues, things that have no time frame, ever enduring, ever hovering questions. Uh, For example, the nature of life, the nature of love, the nature of the human soul, these kinds of fairly broad but complex questions, things that have plagued humanity since time immemorial. These are the kinds of things that are very much timeless because it's every time you think you might have an answer, there's always a twist. There's always a strange turn. And what you thought was a really solid answer turns out not to be so. But let's look on the other side. What would keep it from ever being, keep a film from ever being timeless? Ah, this is fairly, this is a fairly easy one, actually, because all you have to do is fill your film with fads. Think of a fad today. What are some of the fads of today? Uh, Think of things like uh, TikTok challenges and YouTube things, you know, various, the various stuff. Uh, Another great example would be doing things that are popular now. Think not so long ago, like in the heyday of Jackass, you know, in its heyday, it was, you know, one of those funny things to watch, a bunch of idiots getting together and doing really stupid stuff, getting themselves hurt, and we all get to laugh at them. Is that still relevant today? Not really. No, not not so much. Think of comedies. Some comedies are timeless because they have this kind of quality to them that makes it funny no matter how you look at it. And some are very much products of their time. We can look at, for example, Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. The first one, very much a product of its time. And very funny. Now look at the second one, the sequel, which came out very recently. Is it funny? No. But it's still a product of its time. Which makes it less funny. Why? Because you're trying to, in essence, fit a square peg into a round hole. You're trying to import 
a 1980 style of comedy into the 2020s. It doesn't really work. It just doesn't. And you can see the problem here. But let's really dive into what makes what makes it timeless and what makes it dated. What makes things timeless is that it it can be you could view the story no matter what time what year you're watching it whether it you're watching this film brand new in theaters or 20 years later and it's still relevant see that's going to be a key relevancy is the questions it's asking going to be relevant 20 30 40 years from now if it is then you have something that's going to be timeless uh if you look at classic films like Gone with the Wind or Casablanca, they have they're they're fairly timeless even though they're set in very specific time periods. Casablanca is set uh I want to say around 19 late 1930s. And you have uh Gone with the Wind which is set during the Civil War. But both have very interesting questions to ask. You know, the nature of, of love and loyalty and that sort of thing. And it does speak to audiences. Even They speak to audiences even today. So you can, if you have someone who watched those in the theaters and have someone who watches them now, you'll have people who can still relate. What are some of the films that don't stand up to the test of time? Well, they're ones that are very much based in fads. You know, if you have a film that has a lot of popular slang of the day, whether it was from popular slang of the 80s, the 90s, what have you, the thing is, is that slang changes very, very rapidly. Just think back, if you're like me, a child of the 80s, you think back. Think back to the slang that people were using back when you were a kid. You know, radical, tubular, uh, cowabunga became a big thing. And then you, as well as, you know, the typical Gen X thing to do, which was like, you know, whatever. The the kind of apathetic attitude to life itself. But then you look at the 90s. And you see the 90s had, were quite different. There, there was new slang, new vernacular that was being used at the time. It was a wild shift. It really was. And now you look at today. You have a lot of tweet speak. Just, I mean, come on. LMFAO? Come on, that GTFO. These are the kinds of things that have now dominated today's slang culture. So when you base any of your characters using that kind of slang, it immediately is going to be dated because 
in a very short period of time, the that culture is going to shift radically. And the slang that's being used is going to be gone. You look back at like films from the 70s, especially black exploitation films, and they used a lot of slang that was popular in the black community back then. You know, what's poppin'? What's poppin'? I have no idea what that means. Not in a not in the way that someone back then would know what it means. It sounds very dated. It sounds very odd to the ear, you know. When you watch, you know, a lot of the black exploitation films of the seventies and hearing people being called jive turkeys, it's almost comical. That's a problem. That means that that story isn't, it's rooted in a fad. And that's what, you know, a lot of the slang terms are. They're, they're just fads. They're a letter away from fade, which is what fads do. They fade away. But it also uh, comes down to various story elements. Uh, let's think, think back to let's use the 80s again as an example and we think back to uh the rambo series the series of films that ram of rambo the first one a very powerful very good movie the first rambo oh man was it a good film and it was a good film because it, it highlighted a serious problem a problem that still persists i would dare to say that the first rambo film despite its over-the-top action, does have something to say, you know, uh, about returning soldiers, their PTSD, and how society treats them. I think that's a very powerful message, and it's one that still resonates today because the underlying problems still exist in our society. You know, we still don't really treat our combat veterans all that well. You know, from since from Korea, Vietnam to today. These are things that still persist. Uh, but it's the third Rambo film I want to talk about because it's dated. I mean, wildly dated. It is... It shows Rambo in Afghanistan... <clears throat> fighting the Russians alongside the Mujahideen. Oh. Oh my. Now, for some of you, that may not ring too much of a bell, but you see, the from the Mujahideen, who were freedom fighters in Afghanistan, sprang up a or little organization called Al-Qaeda. And one of those Mujahideen fighters, who was supplied weapons by the U.S., was a man by the name of Osama bin Laden. Yeah. So in a sense, Rambo fought alongside future members of Al-Qaeda. Terrorist organization. Not a good look. But it was very jingoistic, because at the time, you know, the Soviet Union still existed. 
And at the time, during the Cold War, for some of you uh, young enough, don't remember anything about the Cold War because it ended long before you were born. But for some of us who grew up during the tail end of the Cold War, we remember that it was very much, you had the whole world, and it was divided between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. There was no middle ground here. You were one side or the other. Or at least that's how it was portrayed. It was always portrayed that way. Whether it was in film, uh, by the various uh, political speeches, by our uh, congressmen or presidents, especially under Reagan, and our news. You know, our parents would turn on the news and it would be just this a news store for, you know, the local news, uh, what's going on, the weather, and, oh, hey, by the way, the Soviet Union's still out there, and we need to crush them at all costs. Because they are the evil empire, and they need to be brought down. That's how it was betrayed. It was a Cold War that always threatened to go hot at any moment. So you, it, it was an interesting time, to be sure. And a scary time for some of us. Because, I mean, come on. The idea of a nuclear war breaking out at any moment. Oh, and by the way, good night. What? Having all of our various uh, access of news and things like that. But this is the problem. You know, for to have something that's based in the Cold War, people my age and older, we absolutely remember the Cold War. And it resonates for us. You know, my brother and I, we are, we're old enough to, you know, my older brother, you know, he's much older, uh, he distinctly remembers quite a lot of the Cold War. And I remember, I was, like I said, I was a child of the 80s, so I remember the Cold War right up until the fall of the Berlin Wall. But, um, you know, like my wife, she's younger than I am. Uh, she doesn't really remember all that much. She was, you know, she was like, yeah, the mid she was born in the mid-80s, so that... The 80s that, that itself was... She was more of a child of the 90s. So by then, by the 90s, you know, the Soviet Union had long gone. What was in the news now was the spectacular collapse of the, of the Soviet Union and the desperate grabs of power to try and regain power from the, of the Communist Party and so on and so forth. But this isn't a political thing. This is how... If you were to make a film and you use the Cold War, it resonates with someone like me, but won't resonate with someone like my wife or with anyone younger than that. Certainly not like, like my uh, kids. And that's a problem. If you want your film to be timeless, you can't dedicate yourself to one particular time frame and use its vernacular. It doesn't work. Because it'll work for that group for that time. And then, you know, 
sometimes as little as a year later, poof, gone. No one cares anymore. Everyone's moved on. That's really the problem. But if you ask, but if you have a film that asks questions that still haunt us, like that first Rambo film, when it comes to how do we treat our veterans? That's a, that's a question that we still keep asking ourselves. And we still haven't come up with a good answer. Still, decades and decades of this. You know, we have known how to treat our veterans returning from war since the very founding of this country. We just assume you would, you know, pound your swords and, you know, pound swords into plowshares and get on with life. That's not how it works. But that's been the prevailing thing. It's been the big question. What to do? What to do with these, you know, scarred human beings? That makes it timeless. It really does. Because it asks a very legitimate question. How do we help them? Because we have sure as hell haven't figured it out. How do you want to make it? Uh, how do you want to date it? Put it in a time and use the vernacular that is going to be gone within a year. Two at the most. Cool as Ice. That film by Vanilla Ice. How relevant was that? <laughs> it's not. It's not relevant. I think it, it had relevancy for like maybe six months. And then poof, gone. Totally gone. And that's kind of the kind of the problem here. I think that's kind of why um, when you go and you try to remake IPs, especially from, you know, the 80s, and they don't work out. They really don't. Because they're trying to import a lot of 80s sensibilities, change a few things to make it today's sensibilities. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Which is why if I asked you, hey, what went on in the first Transformers movie? Uh, you know, the one directed by Michael Bay. You wouldn't be able to tell me a thing about it. Does it have anything that kept it relevant? Nope. What about his uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie? I bet you couldn't think of one thing either on that. Because Michael Bay is a great, great example of a flash-in-the-pan director. It's great that time you watch it. And you'll never think about it again. Timeless? Nothing of Michael Bay's is timeless. Nothing. What is timeless? Actually, uh, the original Star Wars trilogy. They're timeless. Because it's a timeless story you know, follows the hero's journey. That's what it is. Simplistic, I am sure, but it's timeless. It works. First one was made back in the 70s. It still works today. It's still beloved today. So you tell me. Who made the timeless film? Was it George Lucas or Michael Bay? Because you, you have people who can spout off all sorts of facts from George Lucas's 
original Star Wars trilogy. Can any of you spout off any great facts about the Michael Bay Transformers films? I bet you can't. Hence the difference. Well, I think that's going to be it for me for today. So I think it's time to close up the old shed. But I will see y'all next time.